but always go back and look at your goals to make sure you're in alignment of what you're projecting. And if you're not, reconsider if the goals have been written properly or if, in fact, that's the goal you should be, be, be pursuing at the time. Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. Welcome to another edition of your personal branding podcast show. And I'm excited about this edition as I have a special guest, Dallin A. Anderson. As my guest today, we look at how you can always empower yourself and develop your brand and also win the fight of life. I'm glad to have you, Dallin A. Anderson. Welcome to the show. Bernard, thank you for having me. I'm extremely excited to be on the show and I'm just looking forward to a great conversation. Thank you for having me. As a pleasure, I treasure yeah, tell us about you, your journey so far till now. What pleasure. Well, Darlene A. Anderson is, of course, who I am. And, and uh, looking at your amazing legacy of business and what you do and it all being about branding, it's important that I say Darlene A. Anderson is my branding name. Darlene A. Anderson is my branding name. Darlene Anderson was born um, in East New York, Brooklyn. I'm originally a Brooklynite for some of our listeners who may also be Brooklynites. I'm uh, 39 years of age. I'm a single mom of an 18-year-old who's recently graduated from high school and preparing for college. By profession, I've been in the field of social services for around 18 or so years as well. And I am the founder of Darlene's Utopia, an empowerment-based company, as well as an author of an autobiographical book titled Not Without a Fight, 10 Ways to Win When It Appears as If You've Already Lost. Wonderful. How do you win when it appears you've already lost? <laughs> Tell us your story, how you won the battles of your life. <laughs> That's a great question. I always laugh when people ask me that because I remember a couple of weeks ago, my daughter and her friend had come out to uh, help me with a presentation for the Department of Education out here. And her friend looks at me and goes, "Miss Anderson, how exactly do you win when you've already lost? And it's like uh -huh. a second before I'm going to speak in front of like a hundred or so people. And I just laughed about it. Um, but it is, in fact, possible. The book is pretty much derived from my own personal and professional references within the past maybe four, four to five years of my life. So it really chronicles from 2010 and 2014 into this year and it really speaks to being at a place personally and professionally when I felt as if all that I have tried to do to take myself to the next level to succeed to really um, bring that dream deferred to existence had been lost I felt as if there was no hope and I had done everything that I had to do and I still really couldn't get to a place in my life where I felt content and that I had won and that was in various aspects of uh, finances, spirituality, supportive networks, uh, my business, so to speak. And I had to take uh, an external look at what I had done wrong and internally, if that makes sense, 
fix the problem. So I was at a, a, a losing place in my life where I decided that, you know what, I can win. I just have to reevaluate and look at things from a different perspective to, in essence, win the game of life. Because we all go through it, whether it's crisis of um, finances, work, um, family. Everyone is at a point in their life where they feel as if they can't do any more based on what they've already done. And that's where I was, and that's how the book came into existence. Okay, wonderful, darling. Now, let, let, before we get into how you can win in the process, can you share with us one story, one moment that you can vividly remember the pain you went through and you felt like giving up altogether? One typical story of that situation in your life that listeners can really relate with. Yes, I can. Um, it's where I start in my book when I speak about being at a place where I had given up my uh, two-bedroom apartment with my daughter. I didn't know how I was going to obtain a new apartment. I had no savings. My daughter was in a private school out here in New York City, and I had made a promise to her that I would help her uh, do four years in private school. I would keep her in there just based on the way New York City education had been at the time and wanting more for her. And in making that promise, I realized that I had been at a place in my life where financially I had not been taught how to manage money, how to utilize money, how to create budgets. And this was at a point where I was already well into my career. I had established my business. Um, I thought that things were going well to then look and see that I was living from paycheck to paycheck and I really had nothing. And I had made this promise to her. The bills were coming in. And the thing about it is, Bernard, I didn't know how I had gotten to that place. It just got to a place where it was just, I couldn't keep up my rent. I couldn't keep up my utilities. I couldn't keep up, you know, her um, her tuition. Things have really started to crowd in on me. And I found myself in a room with my daughter in a room. And I start my book by saying that this room was was smaller than some prison cells. My daughter and I in this room on a twin bed sharing a floor with two strange men that I didn't know. I just knew that that was the best place for me to be there. The landlord had opened up her apartment to me. She lived downstairs and I found myself with my daughter starting my life out from the beginning. But in all of that, I felt at one point that my life insurance had more value than my actual life. And that could give more to my daughter than what I could at the time. I think that was one of my lowest points in my life. Hmm. So was it that moment that the light bulb turned on and realized that there's something wrong or you messed up your life? It was yeah, not necessarily that I messed up my life. It was that my life um, required more structure, that I wasn't living in accordance to my passion and purpose, that I had to kind of... Um, get back to maybe some core values that had been lost or established some that had never been incorporated in my life. There was definitely a need of change. Mm. So now take us through the process. How then we, do we begin to recover and fight to win the, those battles? What are the steps that you took and how can listeners benefit from that? With pleasure. The book itself, the book... Just to take you a step back, when I started my company mm -hmm. in 2008, it was always suggested that I should write a book. I needed something. I was doing a lot of conferences, and Darlene's Utopia, as I stated, is an empowerment-based company. 
we provide an array of services personally and professionally through workshops, through conferences, through coaching. These areas are met for individuals. Uh, in doing that, it was always suggested that I should write a book, more so to have a product. Because as you know, as a speaker, <laughs> it's a, um, a hit and miss situation. You can definitely, you go out and you speak, you get paid for it. You, there are limitations to speaking. With a book, your product, your product can go further sometimes than your voice can. So I was encouraged to do this. Certainly. And in doing this, um, I never really was able to take it to the next level. I said that I wanted to do a product and my product, my demographics, so to speak, would be women. It could be, it was going to be single women. And I could identify with this and pretty much write up something. I had the whole blueprint, but I could never ever take it to the next level. And what I found out a couple of years later was that I couldn't take it to the next level because it had to be my testimony. I had to go through some things in order for me to share it. It just wasn't about a blueprint that was just kind of, I guess, something that was um, just created more so on a need as opposed to me really feeling it. And that's where the book came from. So in and fast forwarding now a couple of years later, as I got into this room, that's when the book started coming into place, because this is my testimony. I share how I got from that mental place of depression, of losing, of how I, you know, got my finances better, how I took my business to the next level. So some of the things was definitely um, spirituality. I did a lot of coaching for myself. You know, we always hear like mm. psychiatrists need psychiatrists, doctors need doctors, teachers need teachers. So I actually started to work on my own self spiritually. And that was the beginning step for me. So if I could take people through that journey, it would have it would be an understanding of what spirituality meant and how I took time out for myself to um, get to know who Darlene was internally. So spirituality was the first thing. Wow. So let's go through some of the steps, some of the, the journey through the books that you take uh, us through. Yes, yes. So spirituality is the first one, and that's really finding time. When we talk about spirituality, I'm not necessarily, necessarily speaking to um, who I am as a Christian. For me, it was getting uh, establishing a, a better connection with God. I had kind of moved away from that every day in the, I guess, the hustle and bustle of the day, just getting up, preparing, doing your scheduling, going out, coming in, getting ready for the next day. But I really got into a habit of taking time out in the morning to speak to God, putting myself in a position where I could hear what he was saying to me, um, looking at spiritual things that you couldn't take yourself. And that's regardless if you're Muslim, um, atheist, whatever it is, everyone has something. It's at minimal meditation. You have to put yourself in a situation where you're able to just block out everything and just be. And that's when my morning started to become. And I found that it was easier to deal with some of the stresses when I could take that time out and plan for it, just take in who I was, receive what God had to say to me, um, sing songs, write, journal, look at worship and praise on television. So I started to begin my days in such a way. Okay, so if uh, that's the first thing you would advise anybody going through the process to do, to look at their spirituality, to take, take time or have time for God in the mornings. Uh, 
Definitely. Um, and I, again, you know, I, I say God, but it's whatever you're feeling. If you are not, um, if you are not a believer in God, if you are not a believer in Allah, whatever, whatever it is, if it's just the universe, so to speak, or if it's nothing, if you believe that you are the supreme being for whatever purposes and that is where it ends and it begins, then you have to take that time out for you every morning. You have to sit down. You have to just lay, just be. I remember doing a show and I said, sometimes we as people don't even feel the ground. We don't take the time to work, not just walk barefoot, but literally put our entire foot to the ground and feel it for what it is. That's taking a moment out for yourself. As simple as it sounds and as, you know, ridiculous as some as it might sound, it's important to just feel and connect with the universe. So I think that that's the first thing that for me as my fight principles, these are my fight principles, so to speak. What's the next thing? How do we fight again after uh, tackling our spirituality? What are we supposed to look at again? Awesome. After the spirituality, what I realized is that I was carrying a lot of baggage. Um, even in my day of meditating and getting up and, and journaling, there was also another component. After I went through some of those things, I still felt the same way at times. And then in identifying why I felt that way, what I realized was that I was bringing baggage that I was trying to release. They can't exist in the same place. If we're going to move forward, we have to move forward. I start each chapter with a quote. Uh, a lot of them are biblical quotes. Some of them are philosophical quotes. But this quote right here actually is a quote that came from one of my favorite songs by a group called In Vogue. And in chapter two, where I speak to cleansing, the chapter begins by saying, free your mind and the rest will follow. And I'll repeat that. Free your mind and the rest will follow. What that meant for me, and I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm typing up the book and preparing for its launch. And I heard the song because I had did the chapters before I put the quotes to them. And I said, wow, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. This really references me. There were so many things from my past, personally and professionally, that I um, held myself accountable for, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Some things, it's just, it's what it is. That's who you were in that moment. It doesn't define who you are in the present state. And I didn't believe that. So I went through a lot of cleansing exercises to deal with some past hurts, some mistakes I thought that I made, even in business. We hold ourselves guilty for some choices when we have to make executive choices. We have to make executive choices as business owners. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it may not be the right choice, but you just have to put it out there and see what happens. I would own that like it was the worst thing in the world. I made a mistake. Oh, my God, everybody's going to hate me now. What do I do? Um, a lot of family things. I had to look at my family dynamics, my parents, my siblings. And really just cleanse myself of those things and say that is my past, is not my future. And if it's something I want to rectify, how do I rectify it in a present state? So that was uh, another fight principle for me, cleansing. 
Oh, I think this is delving deeper, deeper into it as you progress, spirituality, cleansing. And I think sometimes the mess becomes too much that we tend to overlook and becomes like part of our life that we, we are not even paying any attention to. Even in area of our businesses, we we have a little thing to cleanse even in, in that area, but uh, the routines take the place of those work that need to be done. Correct. Correct. And it's two, it's two and the same. I always say that you cannot think that you can be a great professional and that your business will, um, your business will, will sustain itself. Like it will go the distance. You will have longevity if you are not, um, if you're not dealing with some personal issues. Finances is like the biggest. You can't make money and deal with anybody else's money if you, in fact, are not a good money manager. If you don't value mm-hmm. your money and if you don't know how money works, if you have no financial literacy, you will not have longevity in a business and bring in the revenue that you want. It's definitely two and the same and we don't look at them, but we need to. And that's what I admire about your company because you speak to that, your personal brand, your professional brand. It's two and the same. Oh, that's a great point. That's what we think. That's another great business tip advice given there. <laughs> okay, darling, let's move on to another, another way. I think let's take let's take about five of them. Giving out of the ten, giving uh, three now. Let's let's take another two. Awesome, awesome. I will. Um, I guess you know we just brought brought it up, so I will speak to finances and resources mm-hmm. as the next ones. For myself, what I had to look at is we we just don't arrive to a place, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's mentally mm-hmm. or physically. Yeah, like we're preparing for if we're going someplace, we know you're preparing preparing to commute. You're preparing for your vacation. You're preparing to go to work in the morning. You're always preparing for your physical destination. Um, it's kind of the same when it's a mental place that you're going to. Or when you um, when you establish something over a period of time, and I'll, I'll go back to my own self in that space with my daughter and realizing that mm-hmm. I was I was living outside of my means financially, and that was for a very long time. And although I didn't know how I got there, I start off by saying, "How did I get to this point?" I kind of was always going in that direction. I just didn't know it. And when I say that. I talk in my book about even before my, um, my, I guess my revelation, how my parents introduced money to me, um, how I was introduced to money as a professional when I first started making money, what I did. I speak in my book about my parents being the best parents that they could be and providing for us. Uh, my dad was very sickly. My mom tried to hold a family down when he got sick and he couldn't work. They did the best that they could do as a family unit. But in that, we always lived from crisis to crisis. We were never necessarily poor to the degree of homelessness um, or just going through things in our apartment that were really bad because my friends had it far worse. When I talk about this, I said, you know, there were a lot of things that we saw, but we were really never exposed to. That being stated, although they gave us the best that they could, they never really taught us the value of a dollar, uh, what stocks were, what bonds were, how to establish proper checking accounts, checking accounts, how to balance your books. We ne- I was never introduced to those things. We were just living 
crisis to crisis, month to month, paying rent here, paying rent there. So some of those things that I never learned, I realized were needed much later on in my adulthood. So I speak to that, looking at how finances were introduced to you um, as that's personally and professionally, because personally, if you don't know, as I said, personally, you're not going to get it because it's two and the same. So I speak about that and not just speak about it, but I give practical tools on how to rectify it and make it work for you. The same with resources. Uh, I speak be, be, before we delve into resources, mm-hmm. uh, Darlene, before we delve into resources, can you give us about two golden nuggets in terms of how to manage finance or tips, especially to the younger ones? Um, it, like if you're, if you're supposed to advise your daughters on two golden nuggets especially about savings and how to understand money, what would those things be? Documentation. Documentation, which is actually the fifth, <laughs> the fifth fighting principle that I was going to speak to. Documentation. I'll say it again. Documentation. It is important to have a financial plan put in place. My daughter is 18 years of age. Um, God's fair life presently. And I've, I've been speaking to her. I've been speaking this into her ear for years because I want her to be better than what I was. So for the young people, and I do a lot of work with young people. I say from your first job, your first summer youth job, your first babysitting job, sit down and document where you want to be, your financial plan. What do you want to do with your money? Put your money into a banking institution. Develop a form of savings, even if it's like, you know, at minimum 5, 10%, 12%. Save something, put something aside. Begin saving as early as possible possible and especially for the people that are here um, in the USA because right now where we're at we will not have social security in 2025 so that means that when you retire the only money that you have to fall back on is the money that you've invested in yourself so begin saving as early as possible and document so it's documentation and it's saving and there are tons of resources online where you can go if you don't know how to document savings if you don't know about what gross income is and net income if you don't know how to save, what to invest in start online there are tons of resources online so those are the two nuggets oh wonderful Wow. Savings and documentations, critical to success in life and business. Um, my guest is Darlene A. Anderson. Darlene, let's move on from, the, from your book. Let's take the fifth one uh, to highlight for the, that's for the moment. Definitely. So when I speak to documentation, and it, it ties back into finances and resources, when I say document, it's not just to randomly put things down it's to document with structure and with purpose and to reference and there is and this is another great nugget that i speak to in my book smart goals as a social worker for many years i've done a lot of work with clients and a lot of our a lot of our listeners who possibly are in the field of social services and not, not not just necessarily social services, but are in the field of people. Because when you're in an industry of people, you're always establishing goals. 
whether it's your business plan, whether it's performance goals, objectives, you're always establishing goals. And that's just really showing a measurement of your success, where you started from, what you did, and if what you did, if, if it in fact yielded the results that you wanted. So when you're documenting, you're documenting with those purposes. And I utilize SMART goals. So uh, listeners, again, that's SMART. That's S-M-A-R-T, SMART goals. And your SMART goals are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Would you like me to repeat that, Bernard? Yeah, quickly. Let's, let's awesome. Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Those are your SMART goals. And you can actually look SMART goals up. And you can get templates on SMART goals. You begin to develop your goals, whether it's personal or professional. There are around nine or so universal goals of reference that people spend their lives um, living through, so to speak. And some of that might be professional, academic, community, family-oriented, spiritual, and there's a couple of others. So regardless of what it is that you are trying to do, you should always start your SMART goal formula and go back and measure it. So wherever you're looking back at it a week, two weeks, a month, I definitely say every other week should be the, the at minimum, you should look at every 14 days or so. But always go back and look at your goals to make sure you're in alignment of what you're projecting. And if you're not, reconsider if the goals have been written properly or if in fact that's the goal you should be, be, be pursuing at the time. So documentation, sir. Okay. Not without a fight. <laughs> There's been the most challenging aspect. No, we've talked about five in fighting back to win the game of life. Which of them has been the most challenging uh, for you? And when you are dealing with clients, which of them do they face? As I think that this are, I'm struggling most in this particular area. That is a great question. I would have to say the most in all of them is one that I have spoken to, and that is cleansing. Uh, by nature, as, as human beings, we're always, and I just heard the greatest, and it was some time ago, it is, OMG, what's the gentleman? Ah, uh, ah, I can't bring it to my tongue right now, but he's a great motivational speaker, and he used to be married to Gladys Knight. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, is it Les Brown? Yes, it is. Yes, Les Brown. Les Brown, indeed. Les Brown had a great, uh, one of his, they said that it's his best motivational speech ever. One of his best. And I actually have it on my YouTube as my favorite. And Les Brown speaks to, um, pretty much us fighting the battle within our own minds and believing that we're, we're good enough to move forward and not again holding on to that baggage and doubting ourselves. 
It's something that will always be there. Our biggest battle is the battle within ourselves. And that's what Darlene's Utopia is all about. It's really facing more internal adversities and learning who you are and what inside of you is preventing you and moving forward. It's something that will always be there. We just have to learn to deal with that so we can exceed externally. So the biggest thing for me was cleansing, knowing who I was internally so I could succeed externally. To win is still without a fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. The book actually goes through, it's a total of 10 fight principles. And again, the 10 fight principles are things that in my own assessment throughout my trials and tribulations, what I deemed important for me to um, win the fight in life. And that's just really dealing with adversities that we go through on a day-to-day basis. So these 10 C's, so to speak, were important to me and definitely help me to come out of that place and get back on top. Because it's always a roller coaster. It's just where we're at right now. And I guess that's where the second book comes into play. <laughs> Tell me about that. The second book that I'm actually working on, I'm actually working on two writing projects right now, one of which I am a co-author, and I can't speak too much to it, but I'm extremely excited about this it's a women it's a it's a woman's book and it's around maybe 10 or so women very influential women I tell you when I was on a first conference call I, I just sat back and I said oh my god like this is how much the Lord loved me <laughs> so aligned me with these women on this call so this book is scheduled to launch in uh, the spring of 2015 my next book uh, is a I guess a follow up to not without a fight, 10 ways to win when it appears as if you've already lost. And what I'm speaking to is now is, as I mentioned before, that that living crisis to crisis and always kind of staying afloat, so to speak, always doing just enough to win your to where you're right at the top and you're not necessarily drowning. This book is speaking to, okay, you know what? It's time to swim. We don't want to stay afloat anymore. We don't always want to be in a place of just being. We want to swim and we want to live. So this is the second book and it's actually providing practical exercises in addition to um, the informative passage. We'll be looking forward to those two books. Thank you. Tell me, what does Utopia mean to you? What does it mean to you? (laughs) Utopia means to me... my sister-in-law, I remember starting back and talking to my, talking about establishing my business and what I wanted its name to be. I had been doing a couple of different things. I had been doing wellness. I had been doing leisure activities and I didn't have a name for it because both of them were network marketing companies, so to speak. And for some of our listeners who may not know what that is, it's like, if you have a company that's like selling, I guess a famous, I can't really name company on your show, but it's not yours. It's not your company. You buy into it. So I brought into a Mm. wellness company and I brought into a leisure company and I wanted to merge the two. They had encouraged us to have our own name for our company. And I remember sitting talking to my sister-in-law and saying, I just like to make people happy. I just want people to understand that the power is within them. They have to tap into themselves. And she said, you know, you're trying to create, you're trying to establish like a utopia, so to speak. 
And I looked at her and I said, yeah, that's just, that's it. You told me. Uh. So that's pretty much where it came from. And it just means to me, it's the power within. It's the ability to create your own world internally and then project that externally. That's how we had Darling Utopia. Yes. Um, and one of the events that, that got my into you is the making of moguls. I think, uh, when is our next conference? Thank you. Um, the making of moguls is a component of Darling's Utopia. It's an entrepreneur's conference. The next one is scheduled to be April the 4th of 2015 in New York City in the United States. So we're actually going to be doing our second conference. And the making of moguls was actually brought into existence as another extension of my book because I said that it's not enough to just say that you want to have a successful business. A lot of us entrepreneurs and small business owners were quick to say, I have a business, I have a business. But when you really get into it and open it up and look at it, you know, many of us don't have accountants. Many of us don't um, have legal services. Many of us haven't even registered our businesses properly. So the making of moguls is literally an entrepreneur's conference where I'm bringing entrepreneurs and small business owners together and we're really formatting and helping them to build good businesses that will last. So the next one again is in April and I'm excited about it. We did great with the last one. We had accountants, lawyers, we did speaking, coaching. It was a great event. This one, we're focusing on branding. So you have all of that. Now, how do you take your next business to the next level? How do you brand yourself personally and professionally? So that's what the next one is really um, catered around. Super, super topic. I love Brandon. Yes, I see. And you're awesome at it. This is really great. Your, your website is phenomenal. I fell in love with it from the moment it opened. Congratulations to you. Uh, thank you, darling. What will be your billion dollar advice to the world? My billion dollar advice. My billion dollar advice would be to look ahead. Don't look to the side and don't look behind. Look ahead and stay focused. Because if you look any place else, you will get distracted and second guess yourself. It's human nature, but the thing is that you can get back on track. But when you look all around, it takes so much longer. Stay focused. And the only reason for you to look to the sides and to the back, if it's, if it's for research purposes. If you're looking to see what people around you are doing, it's because you need that information to go forward. Continue the path and your goals and don't worry about anything else around you. That would be my million dollar advice. Wow. Thank you, darling. And where can one get in, in touch with you, your company, your books, your products and services? Let us have all that. Certainly, sir. So they can find me, your listeners can find me at darlenesutopia.com. That's D-A-R-L-E-N-E-S-U-T-O-P-I-A, darlenesutopia.com. They can also find us with the same search name under uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, and YouTube. They can check out the book if they want autograph copies. We're able to send out autograph copies. 
they can go to Darlene's Utopia and look under Not Without a Fight. There they will find my book. If they're interested in getting in other areas and not necessarily autograph copies, that's fine also. We, you can find us on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. So either it's Darlene's Utopia mm-hmm. or Darlene A. Anderson. Darlene A. Anderson. Yes. Thank you so much for the things shared. Not without a fight. Ten ways to win when it appears you've already lost. Hey, advice is to grab a copy and you win the game of life. Exactly. Huh, it's been wonderful with you, darling. Thank you, Bernard. It's- yeah, great. I want to recommend my books on Amazon for you today. Visit Amazon.com and get access to all my 15 plus books today. I recommend the latest book on personal branding that is Rebrand, The Ultimate Guide to Personal Branding. Get one today and grab a copy for someone else. That is Rebrand. The best is yours.